Welcome to Deeper Walks on the Trail podcast. You are on the trail with father-daughter duo Marcus and Stephanie Warner. I'm Stephanie, and I'll be talking with my father, Dr. Marcus Warner, as we discuss topics that help you stay on the trail to a deeper walk with God. Episode 22. Today, we're wrapping up our worldview series with a look at the final of the three pillars of the kingdom worldview, spiritual warfare. Hello, Father. Hello, daughter. (laughs) Nice to do this again with you. (laughs) Always. And you know, today we're coming back to ironically safer ground. Uh, The last two episodes, we've talked about such controversial topics as your favorite Pride and Prejudice adaptation (laughs) and also your thoughts on God's sovereignty. Um, Today, we're just talking about spiritual warfare. Yeah. Easy stuff, right? Easy stuff. (laughs) Okay, it's still controversial, but yeah. spiritual warfare ministry is in Deeper Walk's foundational roots, going all the way back to Mark Bubeck. Uh, we're pretty vocal and anchored in our spiritual warfare teaching. Um, but in this episode, we're specifically looking at spiritual warfare from the perspective of kingdom worldview. To say this is massively important feels like an understatement, <laughs> wouldn't you say? Um yeah, no doubt. I mean, my, my uh, father, you know, your grandfather, his main uh, ministry for years was teaching people uh, worldview. And uh, he often heard people say, man, how much their lives changed once they got their worldview turned around and, and in sync with uh, a kingdom theology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we cannot truly understand our life or the world we live in until we realize we exist in the context of a very real wo- war. Um, our life, our planet is a battleground of supernatural proportions. <laughs> so we now we have talked about spiritual warfare before. So if you, dear listener, uh, missed it and want to learn more, you can jump back to episodes 14 and 15. So, Father, you know how I love a good story. Um, one of our favorite uh, family movies growing up was Hook, where Robin Williams plays Peter Pan, who's all grown up and has kids of his own. And Captain Hook comes and kidnaps his kids as bait for a final confrontation with his nemesis. We've talked before about how this storyline has some parallels to Satan's strategy with us. Do you want to tell a little more of the story and give some thoughts? Yeah, I do remember watching uh, this movie with uh, uh, you guys when you were little or younger, at least. And when uh, and just it hitting me because there was a scene there where Captain Hook has kidnapped Peter Pan's children and he's got him sitting in a class. and He's up at the chalkboard writing on the chalkboard. Why parents hate their kids, you know, and uh, the little girl's like, no, they don't. My parents love me. And he gives like gives her a detention, like, you know, bad girl, you know, but he goes on to just kind of make this case because what he his goal is for him to go to battle with Peter Pan. And on the day of battle for Peter to see his own children siding with Captain Hook. And I thought, wow, that is really profound. That is exactly what Satan's strategy is, that his goal is he can't hurt God directly. And so he has to hurt God by going after his children. So what he's trying to do is turn his children against him. And not only trying to turn like people who don't believe in him away so they don't become Christians, but trying to put a wall between his Christian children and and the father so that we don't trust his love for us and we don't live out of that love for us and we uh we just don't trust him and uh so that's that that's a, a, I thought a pretty profound picture of how uh, warfare works and what uh, Satan's actually trying to accomplish and turning people away from God 
Yeah. Well, and and I think that's a uh, a great scene also of showing one of his strategies. One of his key strategies there is deception. Like parents hate their children. Like right. you know, and she calls him right out. No, that's not yeah. true. Um, but do you want to talk a little bit more about how the enemy uses deception and how that affects our worldview? Yeah, and that is a, a classic king. That notice that when his core lie is, you know, why parents hate their children, but then he goes in and he gives them actual evidence. He's like, you know, times when the their parents got mad at them about something that was unfair, or times when, you know, how the and his main point is, you know, before kids came along, they could do whatever they want. Life was fun. Life was better, right? And like everything was better before you came along is kind of the idea. And, uh, and I'm thinking that when Satan deceives us, he always anchors it in things that are true. And so the essence of deception, as I as I look at it, is is kind of like, you know, uh, Satan says one plus one plus one is three, and he'll say things like, "You got hurt really badly by the church, right? You know, they, uh, you, God did not protect you from this pain in your life, and you know, you felt bad about yourself forever. Therefore." You know, you're worthless. The church, God can't be trusted. It's all true. And so what happens in our mind is we re- we rehearse the things that are true. And that is, I was hurt, right? God didn't stop it. You know, bad things have happened to me. And our mind just constantly rehearses those three, you know, true things that reinforce the devil's lie. But what gets left out of that and what makes it deceptive is that he gets us to omit or overlook all these other true things. And that is, but God was also hurt when we were, you know, hurt by the church. It did not, it was not from God that that happened. He wasn't his idea that we get hurt this way. He also suffered. He was there with us in the suffering and he is here with us now to help us recover and to help us, um, you know, reclaim what happened. And so there is more to the story. There are more truths that uh, if we embrace those other truths, we find out that it is not one plus one plus one equals three. It is actually more like pi plus three squared to the, you know, (laughs) you know, that God is up to way more than we can possibly wrap our heads around. And if we understood the whole equation, if you will, if we understood all of the true things, we'd see that God's thoughts are not our thoughts, that his ways are not our ways, as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are his ways higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And uh, when you get to that point, then you realize that the deception leaves, the truth takes root. And uh, and uh, and so that's what Satan's main strategy is, is. He gets us to focus only on those true things that support his lie and to not look at all of the other true things that would uh, overturn his lie. Yeah, and it can just have the most profound effect on the lenses that we're viewing life with. And 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 one deception can just start Interp- helping us interpret all these other things in life with wrong from a from a wrong base. Um, so yeah, it's so important to find find where the enemy is trying to deceive us and and replace that lie with the truth. Um, what are some other strategies we should be on the lookout for? Deception isn't his only tool in his tool bag. Yeah, you know, you know me. I have an acrostic for this, right? So we. Uh, <laughs> Um, we have, uh, uh, in the book toward a deeper walk, I, I think I talk about sin, all right? So that's the across, it seemed appropriate, you know, mm-hmm. how the devil tries to get at us. And the first one we call seduction. And the idea behind seduction is to lure us into a trap, right? And so he is putting out something good for us and gets us with what is good, but we, uh, 
are going about it in in the wrong way. So, for example, uh, you know, seduction itself has got a sexual overtone to it. So, you know, he might lure us in with you know a beautiful guy or a beautiful girl, and next thing you know, we are going someplace we shouldn't be going. And so, he has seduced us or lured us into a trap. He can do the same thing by you know dangle. So he dangles the world out there. So I sometimes think of the devil as you know, uh, the man behind the curtain who's got a megaphone and the world is his megaphone, but he uses the world to lie to us, to deceive us and to dangle things in front of us that look really cool. Like, oh, that'll make my life so good. That'll feel so good. And there's sometimes some truth to it, right? You know, the, there is beauty, there is pleasure, there is, you know, something to it that that's good. So he is, uh, but his goal is never our pleasure, right? His goal is to ensnare us. It's it's a it's a full fledged trap, and he just is luring us into it. So that's his probably his core strategy right there is mm-hmm. um, seducing us into a trap. Second one is intimidation. What we find here is that uh, the devil likes to hide and uh, to get us to blame ourselves for things that he does, uh, to get us to blame the world for things that he does, to get us to blame the flesh for things that he does. Um, to get us to blame God for things that he does, right? He's happy to stay in the background most of the time. But once he gets discovered, and 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 uh, I honestly think he doesn't like staying hidden forever because he likes the glory and the demons like the glory at some point. Uh, and so when they get discovered or when they decide it's time to reveal themselves, their, their strategy tends to be intimidation. And that is they want to show you just enough power to make you think that there is no end to their power and to make you think that God can't rival this power, that Jesus isn't enough. Um, I remember talking to somebody several years ago uh, and they had been really battered and abused spiritually. And they had this view of a huge devil and a small Jesus. (laughs) And uh, they were too afraid to ask Jesus for help because they're like, no, the devil's bigger than Jesus. I can ask Jesus for help, but then Satan will be mad at me. I don't want to do that, which is an interesting conundrum, right? Uh, and so what I did is I said, well, why don't you try just a test? And why don't you just say, let's have a challenge, right? And if Satan wins, you'll you'll serve Satan. But if Jesus wins, you'll serve him. And uh, just invite uh, Jesus to come and and let's have a little contest of strength between uh, the, the, the devil you're so afraid of and Jesus and just see if you're right. And she goes, oh, it won't be a fair fight. The devil will crush him. And it's like, well, you got nothing to lose then, do you? So she did. And she said, and she saw it in her mind when she prayed this. She saw like these two warriors show up and she said, okay, it's about to begin. And oh my God, it's over. (laughs) You know, it was like, (laughs) and she's like, Jesus just completely wiped the floor with him in one move. It was like all over. And uh, she, and all of a sudden her theology corrected, right? Her worldview changed. And she realized that no, Jesus is the one with all the power. (laughs) My God has the loudest roar. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We serve the louder, yeah, the bigger lion with the louder roars, Judy Dunnigan would say. So yeah. Yeah. So that's intimidation. And, uh, and, uh, it's, it's, you know, that's how he comes after us is get us to feel like we're in over our heads and we need to just back out of this. And I could tell you a ton of stories on that, but we'll stop there. And then the third one is, is uh, name calling, right? It's this idea that he's the accuser of the brethren King James says. And the idea here is that he likes to bring condemning thoughts to us and to, get us to anchor our identity in shame, to get us to anchor our identity in isolation, to believe uh, that we are not good enough for God to love us. Therefore God can't possibly love us. And, and, you know, it's a, 
so he uses name calling and he gets us to um, look at ourselves as um, unworthy of God's love. And I look at it this way. It's like, well, at some level, yeah, I'm unworthy of God's love. I like the way my dad explained this to me years ago. He said, uh, from God's perspective, he looks at me and he sees that I am dust. <laughs> right? It's just, I'm just, I, I wouldn't have anything he didn't give to me. But he did. He made me and he made me in his image and he made me as somebody to be part of his family and to love. And he loved me so much. He sent his son, Jesus to die for me. And it wasn't just like, well, I got to fix this problem. I, uh, I love this person, but I don't like them. It was, no, I want to be in relationship with this person and he's got a profound and deep love for us. So Satan tries to undermine that love relationship by attacking our identity, attacking our sense of who we are. And he does that through name calling. Mm-hmm. Well, and at the end of the day, all of these three things are still deception. <laughs> you're, yes, you're, exactly. <laughs> they're just very, you know, different different takes on deception. So, yeah, very interesting. Well, those are some of Satan's strategies. What are some of our strategies? How do we win the battle for our mind, the battle for our heart? How do we recognize truth and claim it? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, the uh, because there are a lot of strategies that go into how we win the war. And um, part of this is by being scripturally sound and studied you know, and running things through scripture. Part of it is by learning to walk in the spirit. And uh, and some of it is testing the thoughts that come into our heads. So I, I tell people all the time, one of the most important lessons that I find the church does not teach is that this principle that not every thought that comes into your head is yours. And some thoughts are coming from the Holy Spirit. You know, there are thoughts that are prompting you to maybe go bless somebody, maybe go, you know, be a source of encouragement to someone. Uh, I can't tell you how many times people have prayed for healing for somebody because the Spirit prompted them to do it, or they prayed, uh, they led somebody to Christ because uh, that they weren't even planning to talk to because the Spirit led them to do it. And it was because those thoughts came into their head, and they recognized that this is a God thought. I should pay attention to this. There's also, though, the uh, devil and uh, demons put thoughts in our heads. And sometimes that's all they do, and then they let us run with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so just understanding that that happens is is one of our strategies, is recognizing that, you know, not every thought that comes into my head is mine. So I remember, uh, again, going back to your grandpa you know, on this, he, he uh, talked about how do you test the spirits? How do you uh, take thoughts captive? And he ran a simple test you know, a simple process that went like this. It was, um, you ask yourself the question, is this a thought that God wants me to have? And uh, so you're thinking, I feel really down. I feel miserable. I feel like, you know, God doesn't like me. I feel like, or maybe you're struggling with, you know, thoughts of anger towards somebody else or thoughts of uh, lust or thoughts of, you know, whatever it is. You're thinking about something and you're going, well, is this a thought God wants me to have? And you're like, oh, no, this is this is more of a temptation. You're thinking, is this a thought I want to have? That's the second question. And like, no, I'm trying to get rid of this. This is a thought that's taking me down. And he says, well, if it's not coming from God and it's not coming from you, where's it coming from? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a, that was a simple test that's been very helpful really throughout my life and my ministry, too. It's like, you know, wait a second. What's, and then I, I closely connected to that is what is the fruit of this thought? Is this fruit, is the fruit of this thought, if I follow through on this, I camp out here, is it love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, you know, self-control, or is it fear and despair and shame and 
you know, all. So I'm looking at it going, okay, I need to, to learn to test thoughts that are creating the fruit of the spirit and hold on to those. And then uh, uh, I deal with those by saying, and sometimes I pray in if prayers, like if this thought is coming from the enemy, like I renounce it and I command the spirit telling this thought to leave now in Jesus name. I can remember the first time I tried this, I was, uh, I had a thought that produced some anxiety as I was, I was teaching at, at Bethel at the time and I was walking across campus. And I just remember thinking, I have no reason to be afraid. Why am I, why is this fear coming right now? And I just said, in the name of Jesus, if this is just a temptation of the enemy, I command you to leave. And I can, in the middle of the prayer, it stopped. It was like, oh, okay, well, that uh, that was helpful. That was exactly what it was. It was just a temptation to go that direction in my thinking. So um, those are some of the strategies that we have available. Did you have any you were thinking of in particular that maybe I haven't gotten to yet? Oh, man. I mean, I had some in my – my brain keeps going to to Bible, and I'll address that in a minute. But I, um, I was thinking of another of your acrostics, which is rest. Recognize the enemy. Expose the enemy. Stand against the enemy and turn to the truth, which I think we've covered pretty well um, in just – Yeah, can, can you say that again? Because I actually forgot about that. that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, rest. Recognize the enemy expose the enemy, stand against the enemy, turn to the truth. Yeah. Yeah. It works. I like that. Yeah. So yeah. (laughs) Good job. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I was just going to say, you know, rest in, um, you know, in your relationship with God, but also in, I, I, I'm a biblical studies masters here. So I just, I'm particularly um, keen on just, we need to be in our in the Bible. We need to be in the scriptures. And I have to I preach to myself that because the times when I am immersing myself in scripture versus the times when I am not, I you know, I can tell the difference between the patterns of my thoughts. Um, and so just really being in the Bible and it trains us to think as God thinks and it trains us to to recognize God's voice, um, which will helps us in our discernment of is this a God thought or a me thought or a Satan thought, you know? So that was just, (laughs) just where my, my brain was going. Yeah. Well, and, and that's one of the reasons why we do want to saturate our minds with scripture. I will Mm -hmm. say too, though, that part of why we bring in the warfare element into this is that scripture meditating on scripture alone doesn't always win the battle. Right. There are, and I say, there are times when you have to shoot the messenger, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's like, you say, no, you got to get out of here in Jesus name. And there is a, a, a role for that too. And the two work together hand in well, hand. Well, we need balance. We need balance right. with all of it. Just like when we talked about in our, in our fish um, series, we talked about scripture and the Holy spirit um, and that you need them to balance each other and inform each other. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so good. Let's let's step back from exclusively talking about spiritual warfare now um, to look at kingdom worldview as a whole. So this is our, our last episode in in the series. So now that we've explored kingdom worldview from these multiple angles and these three pillars, um, do you have any concluding thoughts on kingdom worldview? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, kingdom worldview is at the heart of my my walk with God and my ministry, really. You know, because. I realized a long time ago that kingdom worldview is about having a proper perspective on what's going on in life. And it's helped me so much just to think in terms of these simple three pillars to think, I remind myself regularly that God is for me, right? Sacred romance reminds me, God is for me. He wants me to be close to him. It's not a 
battle. I got to like somehow earn my way closer to God by performing better, right? It's like I am responding to his love for me. And so I have to remind myself of that. That's part of that. That's so foundational to a kingdom worldview is this idea that God is the pursuer, that he loves me, and I'm always responding to his love. I'm never trying to get him to love me. Mm-hmm. So that's that's huge. Second is the sovereignty thing, because life feels out of control a lot. Right? And uh, especially in as a leader, you find yourself dealing with the future a lot. You're having to look down the road and see what are the obstacles that may be coming down the road we got to get ready for. And so you're trafficking in the future a lot. And, and, you know, parents do this, students do this, right? We all have to, you know, try to anticipate the future. And so understanding the sovereignty of God, especially this picture of the chessboard is helpful for me to think in terms of, even if I can only see the 64 squares in front of me, I can trust the fact that God is working on this multi-level enormous chessboard. He's got everything under control and I can, uh, I can count on him to work this all out for my good. So again, that's so foundational. And then when I get to the spiritual warfare piece and I understand that, all right, there's there's a part of this that is on me too, right? There's a, a, a response on my end to all three of these pillars. And that is to realize that not everything that happens in this world was, you know, preordained by God in the sense that God, did, you know, otherwise you have God preordaining evil. And mm-hmm. what we find here is that God has always, though, preordained a way of escape. And that's his promise to us is not an escape from pain, but an escape from the temptation, escape from sin, escape from slavery into that sin. And so um, we're looking at this. uh, I like to say from the book of Joshua that there's no such thing as a battle that we can't win as long as God is calling us to fight that battle. Mm-hmm. And and so those those three pillars, I mean, I, I come back to them routinely, uh, not just in my teaching, but for myself. Uh, and I find that there's always a, a deeper place to go <laughs> with all of them, right? A deeper place to go in understanding God's love, a deeper place to go in terms of his sovereignty, a deeper place to go in terms of the, the warfare and what the enemy's strategy is for me right now. And that... Uh, that's partly why we call it deeper walk. It's like, we're never really finished in this life. We're always going, you know, a little bit deeper in these things. And so that, that's kind of my concluding thoughts on, on kingdom worldview and why it's so important. Mm, Thank you. And can I just put you on the spot and ask you to pray for us and our listeners as we're closing out this? Oh yeah, (laughs) no, that's a great idea. Uh, I'll be happy to. So our father, you, you taught us to teach, to pray to our Father, right? Because you love us. I think of the the words of Jesus in Luke that says, do not be afraid, little flock, (laughs) for their Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. And uh, how you reveal yourself there as Father, as Shepherd, and as King, right? You're the Father who loves us. We're a little flock that you shepherd, and uh, you're our King, and you're happy to give us the kingdom. And we thank you that we can rest in who you are, in your, uh, uh, in your love for us, in your sovereign control of uh, life, in the fact that uh, our future is anchored in, uh, in, a, in a kingdom reality to come and in a kingdom reality right now. And I do pray for each one who is engaged in their own battle, that you would give them the keys to victory in their own battle right now. So we uh, take a stand with them, plead the blood of Jesus between them and the enemy. Pray that your Holy Spirit would bring clarity as to your truth 
and will expose uh, the lies of the enemy, and that you would give us the peace that surpasses understanding that comes from your spirit in Christ's name. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dad. All right. Next episode, we'll be launching a new series on the life of Jesus. I am, of course, thrilled by this topic. So until then, thanks for joining us on the trail today. If you want to keep going deeper with us on your walk with God, please subscribe to the Deeper Walk podcast and share with your friends. You can find more at our website, deeperwalkinternational.org. Thanks again. We'll see you back next week.